0: Welcome to Political Hitman on Israel News Talk Radio. Want to connect with Howie? Email him at howie at israelnewstalkradio.com. Now here's your host, Howie Silberger. So Israel has come up with a plan, forced by, of course, America and some other countries, to trade prisoners for hostages. There was a time when Israel's motto was we don't negotiate with terrorists. No matter what the cost, we don't negotiate with terrorists, and this is why. Every time you negotiate with a terrorist, you justify their cause. Every time you negotiate with a terrorist, you allow the terrorist to win. The terrorist is now in the power position and is dictating the terms of your negotiation. The whole idea of terrorism is to not only terrorize a population, but is to show that they are in charge, that they are the boss, and that normal people who aren't terrorists, normal people who aren't murderers, have to bow to their presence, have to beg them for their mercy when it comes to hostages, when it comes to not killing them, when it comes to whatever. The barbaric monsters that make up Hamas do not deserve the dignity of even a negotiation. They don't deserve the time it took for the Israeli prime minister and cabinet to meet and to make a decision to trade hostages for, uh, for, for prisoners. They're, they're not worth it. Now, the prisoners, the hostages, on the other hand, might be worth it. But at what cost? So we know that the last time and the time before that and the time before that, that Israel agreed on the ceasefire of Hamas, it didn't take very many days before Hamas decided that the ceasefire only applied to Israel and didn't apply to them. It Didn't take very many days for rockets to indiscriminately fly into Israeli territory, into civilian populations, which nobody on the peace side seems to care about, nobody seems to care that, that Hamas is launching rockets continuously for 17 years into Israeli populations, civilian populations, that every rocket that was fired, all, all 100,000 or 200,000 them have been fired over 17 years is a war crime. Nobody seems to care about that. I don't see any countries in the UN jumping up and screaming that Hamas has been indiscriminately attacking Israeli civilians, for 17 years. And he's, Israel has, uh, has been very, 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 very patient with them. And has shown a lot of restraint. Nobody seems to mention that. Nobody seems to care about that. Nobody seems to care that the monsters that make up Hamas continue till today. To call for the genocide of the Jewish people around the world, to call for the uh, genocide of the Israelis. Nobody seems to care that the chant that we hear around the world, that pro Hamas rallies around the world, from the river to the sea, means the destruction and the genocide of the Jewish people in Israel. Nobody seems to care that when you ask Hamas, or the Palestinian Liberation Organization, or any of the other uh, jihadist groups, hell-bent on destroying Israel and killing Jews, what they envision Palestine, the state of Palestine to look like. You don't even have to ask them, just take a look at their jewelry, just take a look at their maps. The state of Palestine in their mind is the entire state of Israel. So negotiating peace, negotiating ceasefires, negotiating anything with the monsters that make up the genocidal death cults of the Middle East is pointless because it's not going to last and these people are going to break the ceasefire almost immediately. So what's the point in allowing them to refuel and allowing them to restock and allowing Iran to send them more goods through some kind of underground tunnels that they built and to put more Jewish lives in jeopardy? It's important to to free the hostages, it's important to get the hostages out. But at what price? The mayor of Jerusalem, the mayor of um The mayor of Hebron is a mass murderer. He, in 1980, he sat on top of a garage across the street from Beit Hadassah, which is the largest Jewish building in Hebron. And he opened fire and killed many people, including Americans and Canadians. Thirteen people died. In that terror attack one of them was my cousin he was arrested and he was put into jail and then he was traded he was released when in the uh, in the prisoner exchange for Gilad Shalit now Gilad Shalit was held hostage by Hamas for years and Israel traded prisoners for him he's now mayor of Hebron and last week he called for the massacre, for the annihilation of the Jewish people and the destruction of the Jewish state. So a terrorist is a terrorist is a terrorist is a terrorist and laying them out of prison and, and trading them. Uh, it's, it's not a hockey game here. We're not talking about a hockey league. We're not talking about a baseball league where we could just trade people. Where, where a player doesn't work well on your team. He works well on somebody else's team. We're talking about terrorists. We're talking about murderers. We're talking about people. Who went and he and, and killed other people. This is what we're talking about. So I don't understand, not not even for a minute, why Israel would be negotiating or, or allow negotiations with a group of mass murderers, with a with a group of monsters that came in and committed a genocidal attack against Jews. Strictly because they were Jews. Not over. There were no politics involved in that attack on October 7th. Don't let anybody fool you to think that that attack on October 7th had anything to do with land, had anything to do with the liberation of whatever they call Palestine, had anything to do with, with, with oppression or with colonialism or with whatever keyword that they want to throw out at us, whatever baloney that they want to throw out. Don't think that attack had anything to do with that. The sole reason for that attack as it came out of the mouths of the people who committed the attack, people who, were, people who were captured, who committed the attack, was to kill Jews, period. If you see a Jew, kill them. If you see a Jewish woman, rape her. It was a genocidal attack. It was genocide. It wasn't a, it wasn't a terror attack. And, and we have to start framing things the way they are. Terrorism is terrorism. And we have to admit and we have to we have to look everyone straight in the face and say we're we're not going to accept it we're not going to tolerate it now israel backing down and stopping hostilities stopping fighting for for a couple of days while they trade hostages for prisoners prisoners who committed atrocities against jews is showing a weakness and it's the weakness that israel has shown over and over again and and it keeps biting israel and And israel cannot cannot continue doing this and this is the issue you have when you have a prime Minister that has been in power for way too long the The Prime Minister who's been in power way too long has run out of ideas has has found himself in the situation a hundred times before and is basically working on rote. It's unfortunate that Israel keeps landing in a situation where where people try killing their citizens, where people murder and attack and, and, and rape and, and destroy their citizens. It's really a scary situation when you're a prime minister and everyone wants to kill you and your, and your entire country and wipe you off the map. It's a scary situation, but there is no original thinking. There is no thinking outside the box. There is no, there is no, um, reflective thinking when you've been in power for this long, as long as Bibi Netanyahu has been in power. And while the experience has its advantages, it also has its downfall. It also has its, uh, it also has its disadvantages, for sure. And one of those disadvantages is that a failed attempt to save lives, a failed attempt to, or, or I, I won't say a failed attempt, but an attempt to save lives by, by, trading, by trading people who took lives, by trading people who committed violence or committed some kind of terror act against the Jewish people, by trading them for for hostages, what you do is you're putting these these terrorists back on the street. And we've seen it over and over again. The people who have been put back on the street by Israel are almost 100% guaranteed to recommit, almost 100% guaranteed to go and commit another terror attack or to get involved in something else or to get involved in some kind of terror it's happened over and over and over again over the years. We see it over and over and over again. So, so we're at a position, we're in a, we're in a situation now where the Israeli government is going to release Jew killers back into the street, or if they didn't kill Jews, they advocated the killing of Jews, they facilitated the killing of Jews, they tried to kill Jews, whatever it is, they're going to release them back into the streets so they could go and kill again, so they go and attack Jews again. It's 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 really, in my opinion, a terrible idea. Israel should have held strong and continued their mission. Their mission was to release the hostages, to to save as many hostages as possible, and to eradicate Hamas off the face of the earth, to obliterate Hamas. They, they have to continue. They have to continue their mission. They have to back away and they have to forget about world pressure. They shouldn't care what America thinks, or what any other country in the world thinks. Because if any other country in the world was attacked the way Israel was attacked on October 7th, if Mexicans came into the United States and attacked Texans and brutally murdered them by raping the women and raping the children and ripping their bodies apart and beheading them and burning them alive and a lot of other great things that Hamas did to Jews on October 7th, if any other country in the world experienced that, it would be a month of mourning. And it would be unbelievable retaliation, unbelievable destruction to whatever country dared do that to the United States or any other country in the world. Israel's is held to a double standard, and a double standard is unfair. Jews are great. Whoa, the world loves Jews when they're weak. The world loves Jews when they're dying. The world loves dead Jews. Give us more dead Jews and the world will be happy. The UN loves to see dead Jews. Oh, as many as you could show them. They're thrilled. They'll dance in the streets just like the Gazans did on October 7th. They'll dance in the streets, hand out candies. Just as the Gazans did after 9-11. They'll dance in the streets over dead Jews. And they'll say, oh, we pity those dead Jews. Look at those Jews. Poor Jews. Oh, if only we could have helped them. If only they would have stood up for themselves. If only they wouldn't have been lambs to the slaughter, those poor Jews. And that's what they'll say. And that's what they'll write in the history books. And that's what they'll teach their children. The poor Jews, they were there. They could have protected themselves. They could have fought back. But they chose to to walk to death like lambs to the slaughter. And that's what they'll tell everybody. And they'll lament, and they'll be honest about it. Oh, we feel so bad about what happened to the Jews. But when a Jew decides to fight back, a Jew decides to stand up and say, no, we're not going to die. We're not going to walk to our deaths. We're never going to allow anybody to kill us again. We're never going to allow another genocide of our people. We learned our lesson. You know, history. history teaches good lessons. And the Jewish history taught us very good lessons, and we've learned the lessons of Jewish history. When a generation of Jews gets up and says, no, we are going to fight back. No, we are not going to allow ourselves to be killed. And suddenly the world says, hey, wait a second. That's not the Jew we like. That's not the Jew we know. That's not the Jew we want. Who are you? The world goes, wait a second. You're a strong Jew? You're a fighting Jew? You're a Jewish nation? You have guns and you have tanks and you have you have the audacity to fight back? Shame on you, Jew. You're supposed to lie down and die. We're supposed to feel sorry for you. You're stealing our emotions from us. How dare you, Jew? And that's what's happening now. How dare you, Jew? Imagine, just think about this for for, for half a second, because it only takes a half a second for an intelligent person to realize this. Imagine this. We have a situation right now where monsters, genocidal monsters, broke into a country, killed 1,500 people in one day, took almost 300 people hostage, and the world is screaming at the victim. Imagine that. Hostages, babies, toddlers, taken as hostages. Men, women, elderly, people with dementia, taken as hostages. And the country that they were taken from is just fighting back, just trying to get their hostages back, trying to get their citizens back. And, and fighting the people who came and attacked them, who committed an act of war against them. Committed an act of genocide against them. And the world is blaming the victim. That's how much the world hates the Jews. That's how much the Jews are hated around the world. And I know it's unbelievable. You, you think about it uh, with Western ideals. Most of us have Western ideals. We, we think in a Western state, a uh, Western, uh, Western way of thinking. When you think about it, it it's, it's just mind boggling that the entire world would be condemning the victims who are fighting back. It's like going into a schoolyard and, and cheering for the bully and laughing at the kid who is bullied. It's like going into, a, going into a battered woman's shelter and laughing at the people there while holding up the arm in a victory stance of the, guy who beat, of the guys who beat all the women in the woman's shelter. Sounds extreme? It is extreme. Because that's exactly what's happening. The world is condemning the victim. Compassion to the victim doesn't exist, at least not this victim. If you're Jewish, no compassion. Jews get get no right, in the world's view, to defend themselves, to survive, to even live. If somebody wants to come and kill a Jew, the Jew is supposed to just lie down and die. If a group forms itself, like Hamas did in 1989, they formed... And, and their charter called for the destruction of the Jewish people anywhere they live in the world, the massacre of the Jewish people. It quotes in a hadith from, from the Quran, which says that, you know, in the time of redemption, a Jew will hide behind a rock, and the rock will call out, hey, does a Jew here come and kill him? A Jew will hide behind a tree, and the tree will call out, hey, does a Jew here come and kill him? They quote that hadith in their, in their charter. And the world sits back and says, Ah, it's just rhetoric. It's just talk. They're not real. They're not they're not serious about killing Jews. So on says, Of course we're serious about killing Jews. And they go and they start killing Jews. And the world says, Ah, Jews, listen, listen, they're just trying to prove their point. Yeah, give them a break. And then they go and they kill more Jews. And the Jews say, No, enough is enough. Let's go fight back. And the world says, Hey, Jews, stop, stop. What are you doing? What are you doing? Come on. Come on. They they're not serious about what they wrote in their charter. Come on, Hamas, you're not serious about joining you your charter, are you? So in 1991, Hamas says, okay, 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 okay. You know, we'll change the charter. So instead of saying that, uh, that we're going to kill Jews all over the, uh, all over the world, which is, which is really our goal, this is what really, we really want to do, what we'll do is we'll say we want to kill Jews in Israel. And that's a legitimate political argument. We'll want to kill Jews in Israel, we'll kill Zionists. We'll come Zionists, we'll want to kill Zionists. That's what we're going to do. And that's what they did. They changed their charter to say, instead of killing Jews all over the world, we're going to kill Zionists and Zionist supporters all over the world. And so if you're a Jewish Zionist supporter or a Christian Zionist supporter, Hamas wants to kill you anywhere in the world, anywhere you exist. And then that seemed to be better for the world. The world's like, oh, okay. They don't want to kill all Jews. They just want to kill Zionists. That's fine. That's great politics, Hamas. Thank you so much. And Hamas started laughing and laughing and laughing and laughing at the world. And then continued to attack Jews indiscriminately, killing people, innocent people, indiscriminately, without a care in the world. The world didn't care. Israel in 2005 decided, enough is enough. We're, we're out of here. And they pulled out a Gaza. They pulled out every man, woman, and child. They pulled out every fire hydrant. They pulled out every building. They pulled out every grave. They reburied people they displaced communities they ripped them apart and displaced them they took them out they lived in tent camps for two years after the withdrawal from from uh, gaza and they said to hamas and they said to the the, they said to the plo they said here is your palestinian state create a state in gaza they left uh very rich very rich americans purchased from the gardeners and from the uh, from the people from the agricultural experts in in gaza the Jewish agricultural experts—they purchased all their greenhouse equipment, all their factory equipment for the oranges and for the and for the peaches and for all the other stuff that they produced in Gaza. Gaza had huge industry. The Jewish people of Gaza had massive industry, and they they bought all the factories, they bought everything, and everything was left there. And they said to the PLO, "Here's an opportunity to build a an independent Palestinian state with 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 its own with its own industry." Here are factories and here are greenhouses and here is all sorts of stuff that you guys could use in order to build a prosperous Palestinian state. And all the lefties around the world were clapping. Yay! Israel's out of Gaza. Yay! We have a... They, they left their infrastructure. Yay! All the lefties were clapping and celebrating. And the day after Israel left, one day later, the Arabs of Gaza walked into the former Israeli towns, and burned down the greenhouses, destroyed the equipment, burned down the factories and the warehouses, burned down the orchards, destroyed whatever was left of the industry that was there, and used the old Israeli towns, the towns that were now vacated, not one Jewish body, not even a Jewish crumb was left in these towns, and used these towns to launch an unprecedented 17-year Terror attack against the Jewish state, against the Jewish people, against innocent civilians. They use these towns as training grounds. They use these towns to launch rockets continuously into southern Israel. And the Israeli government said, all right, look, it is an adjustment period. All right, look. Like, like it's, it's okay. Let them do whatever they do. And the people living in southern Israel got used to being five seconds away from a bomb shelter. People living in southern Israel got used to, to, to not living a normal life. And life went on. 17 years, a full generation of kids grew up in Dorot and other towns in southern Israel, living in bomb shelters, going to bomb shelters for safety, never being more than five seconds away from a bomb shelter, always looking over their shoulder to make sure that they, they, do, they know where they are and they know where the nearest bomb shelter is. And they grew up 17 years, that's a long time. Kids who were three years old when this all started were 20 years old, 17 years. Till October 7th, when, when the sirens went off and the people of Starot and and some of the other towns in southern Israel. Ran to their bomb shelters. Cause that's what they were trained to do over 17 years. That's what they always did. Those were their safe zones. Then the monsters that came in to murder Jews, the genocidal psychopaths that came in to murder Jews, walked to the bomb shelters and threw bombs, threw grenades into the bomb shelters, killing everybody inside, Go went to their safe space, went to the space where they went for safety. Safety from who? Safety from the genocidal monsters who've been launching rockets into their towns for 17 years. And they died in their safe zones. They died in their bomb shelters. 1,500 people died that day. And the world doesn't care. They cared for 24 hours. Because they were Jews. They died because they were Jews. And one might argue, and and, and I know I'll I'll get people who will argue, oh, well, they were settlers, colonialists. They weren't colonialists. Those towns have been around since 1948. They were part of the original partition plan. They were part of the original uh, state of Israel. They weren't occupied territories. They weren't so-called occupied territories. They weren't past the green zone. They're part of Israel proper. They've been there for years, 75 years. These, settle, these, these towns have been there. And others will argue, oh, but you know, they're Israelis, they're Zionists, they're right-wing crazies. No. The people living in these towns spent their lives trying to help the people of Gaza. Spent their lives driving people back and forth from hospitals, delivering food and, and, and humanitarian supplies to, to the Gazan people. The people in these towns were, were uh, some of the leftist people living in the country people calling for a one-state solution palestine people calling for people calling for a uh, jewish expulsion of jews from 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 israel these were the people who lived in these towns that that were attacked by these genocidal monsters on october 7th they weren't right-wingers they weren't people calling for the destruction or the separation of jews and arabs the people who were at this rave, at this, at this party, and were dancing at the party when they were killed, the party was a peace and unity party. Uh, that's, that's what it was. It was a party promoting peace and unity between Arabs and Jews. Not overly ironic that that was the party that was attacked by these genocidal monsters that came in to kill Jews. People at these parties were peaceniks. Now they're dead and the people who survived and the people who are always on the left side of the spectrum, always on the the side of of peace and and, and reconciliation and and, uh, and abandonment of Jewish land to to facilitate peace, those people suddenly are not so gung-ho. About negotiating with Arabs anymore, not so gung ho about giving up land and, and 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 supporting and supporting a two-state solution. Because if a two-state solution equals what happened on October seventh, equals a genocidal attack, equals a genocidal murder of Jews, then there aren't too many people who are interested in that. Not in the state of Israel, not outside the state of Israel, not anywhere. Now I've heard over the last couple of weeks. These quotations of uh, Bibi Netanyahu said, we have to fund Hamas to counter the PLO, blah, 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 blah. I've heard all that. And how true and untrue they are is, is, is a totally separate story and totally separate show. I want to remind you, and uh, nobody seems to remember this because the media never talks about this. Nobody ever talks about this. When the election was held the uh, the original election for government of of the arab government of the arab regions of judea samaria and gaza and the p l o ran their their main opponent was hamas mahmoud abbas ran against the leader of hamas at the time and lost the election hamas won the election of all of the arab controlled areas as defined by the Oslo Accord. Hamas won control of all of that. They were the government, the elected government, the, the democratically elected government. Jimmy Carter supervised the election and made a statement right afterwards saying, it was it was 100% democratic. And they voted in Hamas. A genocidal organization, hell-bent on the destruction of Jewish people and then Western society. They voted them in. And then America and Israel said, we don't recognize the results of this election. We can't accept the Hamas as the leader of these areas. And they negotiated with Hamas. And they fought and they argued back and forth. And finally, Hamas agreed that they would rule... Gaza and the Palestinian Liberation Organization would rule Judea and Samaria, or the areas of the Arab areas of Judea and Samaria. But that wasn't good enough either for the Americans or the Israelis or the Palestinian Liberation Organization. They didn't like that at all. And once again, they said Hamas cannot rule any area of land here. They are too radical. They are crazies. And we're not going to allow them to control any of these areas around Israel. So Israel funded the PLO to start a war with Hamas in Gaza. And the PLO sent their warriors and sent their leadership into Gaza to fight with Hamas to gain control of Gaza. And what happened? Hamas took the PLO leaders and threw them off buildings. And then they killed every last-standing PLO fighter. They murdered them. And they get their control on Gaza and they held it for 17 years until October 7th, when Israel said, we are going to end Hamas. Now with a humanitarian ceasefire, whatever that means, Israel's putting itself and its soldiers at risk again. How many of these hostages are still alive? Guess we'll find out. I hope and I pray that all of them are alive and all of them could be released. That, that's really my prayer, that's really my hope, my prayer that they could all be released and that they all come home safely and that the children and the women that will be released in this hostage exchange will come home safely and will not will not be um, too far gone mentally to have a normal life. Because who knows what happened to them while they were in Gaza? who knows what these monsters did to them? as they shuffled them through the tunnels and hid them under hospitals and UN schools. Who knows what they did to them? And chances are we'll never find out what happened to them, and that's fine with me. But the torture these people probably went under, just considering the brutality of October 7th, the torture that these people suffered, some of them witnessing their kids being killed and burned in front of them, some of them witnessing their parents being murdered in front of them, dismembered, the brutality that these people suffered in the tunnels. We don't even know what that is. We've only seen a video of one or two hostages since this whole thing started. And one was a young boy, about 13 years old, and he looked pretty gaunt. So who knows what they're feeding them or what they're doing to them, or how many are alive. We could only hope and we could only pray that we're not trading live prisoners for dead hostages. I understand that we have to bring everyone home, we have to bring home Jewish bodies, Every everything has to come home. I, I get it. I get it. But if it means that Hamas could survive another day, that we have to stop and Hamas could survive another day, if it means that Hamas could commit another terror attack against Jews, if it means that Hamas could destroy another town, another family, another life. Maybe we should have second thoughts about condoning or, or accepting a, a ceasefire and a uh, and a, and, a, and a trade of, of, of prisoners for hostages. Maybe it's something that a second thought should be given. Now, people have told me, you, you have no right to criticize the government of the State of Israel. You have no right. They know more than you do. And that's probably true. They do know more than I do. They have much more information, much more intelligence than I have. I'm just a pundit, I'm talking head. Just a pundit here right here on on this channel. I don't know much, I just have opinions. But I agree that if if there is a slight hope that some of these hostages will come out alive, then we have to save their lives no matter what. And if that requires us to allow Hamas to live another day, if that requires us to allow Hamas to rearm and regroup, so be it. But it just it just seems wrong. And that's all I'm saying. Now I don't know if you agree with me or disagree with me, and uh, and and I'm fine with that. If you don't agree with me, I'm I'm fine with that. But that's that's just the way I think. That's that's what's going through my mind now. Is that this may be an exercise in futility, which may put more Jewish lives at risk, and that's the last thing we want to do is put Jewish lives at risk. We don't want to put more Jewish lives at risk. So if we could save Jewish lives and not put more at risk, I'm all for it. We're putting more Jewish lives at risk to save some, Uh, I'll quote Star Trek: Sometimes the, um, sometimes the needs of the one, needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one. I know it's a horrible way to think. It's a horrible thought that you should sacrifice people for the sake of everyone else. But sometimes in situations, you don't have much of a choice. My fear, and I'll tell you straight out my fear of Israel releasing prisoners is quite simply that these prisoners will reoffend, they'll go back and they'll kill more Jews. Or take more hostages. So, releasing hostages and then taking hostages is, is, is really a zero-sum game. But at least there is a shining light at the end of the tunnel. At least we understand the value of Jewish life in the minds of these genocidal maniacs. One Jewish life is worth three Arab lives in their calculation. That's what's really what's going to happen now is that three prisoners have to be released for every hostage. So they valued one Jewish life. The value of one Jewish life is three Arab lives. So if we if we if we add that up, it's uh, it's 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 just sickening to think this way. I'm sorry. It's just. It's just terrible that we have to think this way it's just terrible that that we're in a situation where we have to think this way and it's terrible that the world has turned on the Jewish state it's terrible that the Jews are always the are always the aggressors and the colonialists it's really it's really revolting we got a message saying they're only releasing prisoners who haven't been found guilty of killing Israelis you're right you're right. They're releasing prisoners who haven't been found guilty of killing Israelis. 100% right. But that doesn't mean that they, uh, that they didn't threaten to kill Israelis. It doesn't mean that they didn't plot to kill Israelis. They were they're, they're arrested for a reason. They weren't arrested just because Israel walked into a town and arrested people. They're in prison for a reason. And what that reason is, I don't know. I, I don't know who they're releasing. But, but I guarantee that they are no, they're no lovers of the Jewish people. And then, if they have the opportunity to commit harm or any kind of, a, or any kind of offense against the Jewish people, they, they won't hesitate to do that. I could almost guarantee that. That has been the history in Israel of hostage exchanges. That has been the history that they've released hostages who haven't been found guilty, don't have blood on their hands. And then, those people who did have blood on their hands suddenly had blood on her hands. This has been the history of hostage exchanges. If you look back and uh, do the research, you'll see. Then every hostage exchange that they've done, prisoners for hostages, those prisoners have always come back and bitten Israel and attacked Israel and, and then killed people. You know, this has been a fact, an unfortunate fact, but a fact nonetheless. Let's uh, pray for. Let's pray that um, that Israel doing the right thing. Let's pray that the hostages come out safe, and let's let's pray that they all come home. That's what we could do. I'm Howie Silberger. I want to thank you for joining me, and I will uh, I will see you again next time. I, I uh, you know it, it, before I go. It bothers me that I've been doing shows like this for for weeks now. It really bothers me to do shows like that. I don't, I don't like doing shows like this. I don't like when Israel's at war. Nobody does. I don't like the fact that anti-Jewism has risen substantially around the world. I don't like the fact that the world doesn't care that people are standing in the street yelling, Gaz the Jews! Yelling Hitler didn't finish the job. I, I don't like the fact that hot shots are taken at Jewish institutions, that, that Jewish schools, that people are shooting at buildings and drawing swastikas anywhere they want, anywhere they can, and threatening Jewish schools and Jewish buildings. It is not a pleasant thing for the Jewish people to be under attack continuously. It is not a pleasant thing at all. So I hope you join me in, in prayer and in praying that, that this all ends. And that we could get back to some semblance of normalcy, both in Israel and North America and around the world. And that at one point or another, the Jewish people around the world will realize that the time has come that our, our, welcome in, in, in foreign lands is over and that our hosts are telling us it's time to go. And there's only one government in the world, only one country in the world. That will welcome Jews with open arms. There's only one country in the world that will allow Jews to come in uh, with no questions. Well, maybe a few, but no no problems. There's only one country in the world that's going to allow that. And as the anti-Jewism ranks up and ramps up in across North America, I think it's time for everyone to start thinking, maybe it's not the place to be. I'm Howie Silberger. Thank you for joining me. I will see you next time. Have a great day.